Zomato's IPO created huge noise in the market. What is really meant by an IPO? How does a company come out with an IPO with all the IPOs in the market and the rush around it? How do you invest in an IPO? Is what we're discussing in this episode of The Money Owl. For the discussion we have Vineet Pagaria with us today. He's the head of data and research at Stockage and Elon Markets, an extremely fast-growing financial services startup which recently raised funding from Kotak Securities Limited as well. So, let's welcome Vineet and take the discussion ahead. Uh hi Vineet, welcome to the Money Owl. How are you? Hi Shubham, I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much uh, for taking out the time uh, Vineet. and sorry for all the trouble that i caused you in the recording setup <laughs> you've been very supportive great reed so the idea is to help our listeners with uh, everything around the ipos break the myths and you know with all the hawa and uh, you know rush around ipos these days in the market i think it was high time we you know answered and addressed this subject so uh, what i'll do is i'll i'll start with a very basic question first is that what is an ipo and why does a company open an ipo in the first place if you could quickly tell us uh, about it yeah, so initial public offer the ipo is nothing but uh, it is an offer that a, a company is making uh, wherein it is raising money from the public for the first time and uh, by raising money here we mean raising equity capital okay so of all the resources that are required by a company in terms of capital resources Uh, they are broadly of two nature equity and debt so in case of ipo the company is raising equity capital through the public for the first time hence it is called initial public offer ah okay so uh, when companies uh, plan to expand uh, typically they are restricted by the kind of uh, capital that they have so if you see smaller setups startups uh, generally they can grow at a much faster rate if they have uh, higher capital availability great so uh, from an investment point of view is it a good time to invest in a company or not when the ipo comes out uh, that's a great question to ask so uh, as an investor it is always a good time to invest in quality companies uh, of course not all companies would be quality companies so you have to be very very stock specific in terms of uh, investing in an ipo or not so there are two parts to this question chubham uh first is in general is it a good time to invest because uh, over the last one and a half year uh, the markets have given terrific returns and people are having a fear of missing out the rally and the returns yeah so uh, with regard to that even though we have seen a good run up uh, still markets always provide opportunity so in any kind of a market you will have companies that will come that will generate wealth for shareholders and uh, at the end of the day they will keep on growing and become multi baggers uh in particular what i would like to highlight here is that uh, ipos provide a, a special kind of an opportunity for investors in multiple ways so the first opportunity that ipos provide is that uh, sometimes ipos provide you exposure to a hitherto unexplored sector say for example companies like uh, dmart avenue supermart yeah so in the modern retail uh, it was one of the early companies to hit gold and the uh, the kind of wealth it has generated for shareholders is amazing simply amazing so in the last 4 years the stock has gone up by almost 12 times wow that is the kind of wealth that people have generated second i could remember cdsl so cdsl the central depository services limited company uh, that has gone up almost 7 times 
again in just four years. And uh, over the last one and a half year, the company has uh, now breached almost four CR crore DMAT accounts. But uh, it was hardly two CR just one and a half year ago. And now they have breached the four crore DMAT accounts. So that is the kind of financialization that we are seeing in the Indian markets. Besides this, there are some uh, certain sectors, say for example, insurance or asset management company. So these sectors were not uh, there in the markets 10, 15 years ago. And with the passage of time, you keep on getting new sectors, new companies, uh, say for example, of late uh, Nazara, then uh, Zomato itself, even Barbecue. Yeah, and there are a lot of uh, on, the, on the block as well who are about to come out with their IPOs. Lot of them, including the likes of PTM. Yeah, correct. <laughs> so, okay, then we need the the million dollar question: Is how do you strike gold? How do you assess an IPO? You know, because uh, there were many reports uh, when I when I was reading the Zomato IPO. There were data points, you know, like the company's assets, profits. There were financial reports. There were reports like the DRHP. So, how do how do I evaluate uh, an IPO then? Oh, so evaluating an IPO is as simple as it is complex. <laughs> That's a paradox. <laughs> Which effectively means that even though you have uh, all the data points available in the red herring perspective itself, but yet uh, digging into those data points and coming out and making a judgment with regard to whether this is a good investable company or not is not a very easy exercise so as to see. So uh, broadly, the process that should be followed is that first and foremost, the business model of the company, that is the most critical part. So if a company is sustainably generating returns or it has the potential to create returns over the next few years, so, uh, be it in terms of top line growth, revenue growth or bottom line growth, which is a net profit. So that is the first and foremost thing with regard to the business model that the company has. Uh, second important point would be to check the financials of the company with regard to what is the size of the company, how, uh, what kind of a sustainable margins it is uh, delivering, uh, what kind of a competitive landscape and uh, environment it is working upon. Say in the case of Zomato, so everyone knows Zomato and Swiggy, they are the two competitors as on date. But uh, you never know how many more people are going to join in the race as uh, the business model improvises itself. Uh, the most critical part would be the future visibility. So when people invest in markets, uh, many a times people become too uh, hung on to the historical numbers, which are important, but uh, it is way more important with regard to how the numbers would pan out over the next uh, few years or even decades for an investment perspective. Uh, not to mention the key concerns are very critical. So every company would be going through its own set of uh, risks and threats. Uh, some could be sector specific, some could be company specific. Uh, like many companies have a regional presence as on date. So if anything happens in that particular region, they are exposed to that risk. So it is very, very critical to dig into each and every uh, risk factor. This is a must for every investor. So uh, only looking at the grey market prices and uh, looking for listing gains might not help as an investor. And uh, above all, I think the most, uh, most, most, most relevant point would be the valuation at which the IPO is uh, floated. Okay. So a good company might not be a great stock if the price at which it is available is uh, very, very high. So how do how do I know if the price is is right or not? <laughs> 
Yeah, so that that brings me to the first point of the paradox. Even though it looks simple, but it is pretty complex in the end. Yeah. Uh, so what we have done is at Stockage, uh, we uh, prepare reports on IPO notes, uh, which look into the complexities of all these things, and eventually, uh, based on all the parameters of valuations, what would be the discounted cash flow? Uh, what is the kind of relative valuation of this company? What kind of a growth rates it can deliver over the next number of years? So based on all these calculations, we come out with a SWOT analysis in terms of the strengths and weaknesses. So we are trying to simplify uh, finance for retail and everyone else. So this is an endeavor to that extent. Of uh, for people who are not yet following these, uh, I think for valuation, the basic parameter would be simply looking at the top line numbers, seeing the kind of sustainable margins it can deliver over a period of time, and. Uh, then seeing what kind of a valuation does it translate to in terms of price to earning or in terms of absolute valuations. Got it. So you can you can break your head or you can uh, refer to these stockage reports probably. <laughs> Very true. Whatever whatever gives you peace of mind. Great. So uh, uh, Vinit, uh, uh, the idea of the podcast is to you know answer very very basic questions because uh, I know you know these Amato IPO is out and all of my Instagram, LinkedIn uh, feed is full with Zomato IPO, but I have no clue how do I buy an IPO, right? So can you enlighten us on uh, what are these steps, you know, very, very crude steps uh, on how do I buy an IPO? So I've decided to invest in some IPO. Uh, so investing in an IPO is a pretty simple exercise nowadays. So all you need to have is uh, you need to have a DMAT account and you need to have a PAN number. And uh, once you have a DMAT account, you can apply for the uh, IPO. So uh, what SEBI has done is it has come out with a, a ASBA mechanism, which is application supported by blocked amounts. So whenever you apply to the IPO, your bank account, if say if you are uh, going through the online application, so your bank account will block uh, the sum so that it can't be used anywhere else. And uh, it will get debited from your account only once you get the final allotment. Okay. The same process is uh, uh, true for offline applications as well. It has become a very simple process nowadays. So how does the allotment work? Because uh, if I if I want to buy an IPO, it does not mean that I will get an IPO, right? So if I place an order, what what are the chances that I get the the shares that I've uh, asked for? Uh, so yes, this is a very pertinent question in the current times because uh, of late, very few investors are getting hold of IPOs which are getting oversubscribed. Yeah. Typically, there are three categories to an IPO allotment. So whenever a company is coming out with an IPO, uh, there are three segments which uh, make applications. So one is the qualified institutional buyer, second would be the non-institutional buyer, and third would be the retail category. Uh, by retail, we mean... People like you and me. Yeah. By retail, I mean uh, applications which are less than 2 lakhs in size, rupees 2 lakhs. Okay. So uh, of the three categories, Every IPO has a specified uh, percentage allocation. Uh, say, for example, in the case of Zomato, the QIB had a 75% reserve for the total issue size. So retail allocation was only at 10%. Now, uh, whenever an issue gets oversubscribed in any particular category, the uh, applicants in that category would get a proportionate prorata share. Uh, in case of retail, one more thing here to note, uh, like you said that you didn't get allotment in case of Zomato, yeah. So if the oversubscription is uh, very, very high, 
in the prorate allocation if that prorata is less than the minimum bid lot so it rounds up yeah so in that case some people will not get that uh, share so if i want to uh, make sure that i get the you know shares at least some of it i should apply for more but but there's a there's a chance that i get all of it and my money goes but uh, is that is that a mechanism is that a way to catch hold of yeah that is a mechanism but uh, eventually what it does is uh, people apply for more than what they can chew so uh, many a times what people do is that if they are not uh, uh, getting allotments they tend to invest through multiple family accounts to so say you are investing in your account your spouse account your parents account so that at least you get hold of some shares so in case of shares where over subscription is kind of assured so there it might not there it might pay you well but for certain other issues if you get allotments in all the accounts then of course you are taking a leverage position in that particular stock these stunts are to be performed by professionals please <laughs> do not imitate that very true <laughs> right right i understand okay we are not uh, subscribing this uh, practice at all to all the listeners anyway so okay so coming back to how it works uh, how does the price of an ipo get established you know because i think the standard price is rupees 10 if i'm not wrong as per the government guidelines however the, when the ipo comes out the price is something else so how is that decided so there are multiple points here so the, the 10 rupees that you are talking of that typically is the face value of a share yeah okay in fact that is also not a necessity so nowadays many companies have face values of 1 rupee or 2 rupee oh okay in terms of pricing of an issue first the company the issuer company that uh, consults with its uh, book running lead manager and the investment bankers who suggest and they come to a price what would be the reasonable price that uh, at which the demand might be there for that particular business then there are two ways through which the companies approach the market so one is a fixed price ipo wherein the price would be fixed but most so issues as on date are done through the book build process so what happens in the book build process is that the price is discovered on the basis of the demand received from prospective investors at various uh, price levels so say for example if an issue is uh, priced at say uh, between 80 to 85 so all the participants in the market they would be bidding for the shares they can bid at 80 they can bid at 83 they can bid at 85 they can bid at uh, whatever price they are comfortable with and uh, then a cutoff price would be determined on the basis of these uh, biddings okay now in this the retail investors thankfully are empowered with one additional right so retail participants retail investors they can bid at the cutoff price which means that uh, even if uh, in say if they had quoted a price of 80 in the final cut off was 82 then you, they would have missed the ipo yeah so uh, for retail investors there is an option to bid at the cut off price which means ki whatever be the cut off price then your application would remain valid irrespective of the final price oh okay i didn't know that okay nice okay so that's interesting so any other important detail that we should know how the entire ipo game works because i think uh, there was a recent report which i was reading i think it was from the economic times and it said that you know within an year of the launch of the ipo almost uh, 70 to 80% of the ipos fail in the sense that people take out their monies who had invested when the ipo came out how true is that how does it work is this a long term game or is this a short term game Oh, Shubham, again, a very, very pertinent question, which people might not want to hear in these bull markets. 
So uh, I would say that uh, some of the blame goes to the entire uh, psychological process because when a company comes up with an IPO in a bear market or when the sentiments are not so strong, uh, then people do not tend to uh, get the limelight that the IPO should be getting. If say if an issue is reasonably priced in a bear market, so it will not uh, garner that kind of a participation. So typically when the markets are in a good sentiment, when we have had a bull run behind us, that is the time when people are uh, way more inclined to invest their money in uh, IPOs, uh, which essentially means that you are investing into companies at a, a reasonably good valuation. So that is one part of it. The other part is that uh, at times, yes, uh, this is true that on a historical basis, there have been many uh, failures in investment through IPOs. But then having said that, uh, IPOs have been... Uh, great wealth creators also. So you have to be extremely, extremely selective with regard to what you are buying. Uh, one important point here from the investor perspective that I would want every investor to uh, think about and ponder over it. So that is be very clear of your objective. So if you are investing for the long term in the company, a listing gain of 10, 20, 30% uh, should not matter to you. If you are if you have the belief in the business of the company, you should continue to hold it till the time you have that conviction. But what typically happens is that uh, at the top of this uh, entire positive bullish sentiment, uh, people tend to invest based on uh, the grey market prices for the listing gains. And uh, when obviously some or the other company would eventually list below the issue price, uh, then they convert it to their long-term holdings which is absolutely not correct, which is a sure shot way to lose money. Yeah. If you are investing for the long term, be very confident of the business. If you are investing with a trading mindset that uh, post the issue, I will make listing gains. So if you are not getting the listing gains, be uh, double quick to move out. Lovely suggestion. Uh, thank you so much for that, Vineet. Okay, so before we end, I think this was really helpful. Uh, and I'm sure uh, a lot of listeners would uh, you know, uh, find value in this. Anything that you want to tell us about the IPO, about investing in an IPO, any objective, subjective matter that we should take care of before we end? Shubham, a couple of points which I think is very important for uh, retail investors to think of mm -hmm. uh, is that number one, a uh, red herring prospectus is a document which the company itself prepares. So when you invest into a company, uh, the primary source of information available is the RHP or the DRHP, which the company itself is preparing. And uh, as per SEBI regulations, the disclosure requirements, say if they require uh, the financials to be disclosed for only three years. So at times what happens is that uh, in a period of these three years, there could be many accounting changes. Or say, for example, some accounting change happened due to application of NDS as a result of which the numbers might not be comparable. Uh, I get it. So I would suggest that uh, before applying, definitely seek uh, professional's advice on the IPO. And, and I'm guessing StockEdge uh, kind of takes care of this and the reports that you come out with take care of all these aspects. Definitely, definitely. So uh, can you also tell us a little more about what StockEdge does in terms of, you know, handling or coming out with reports for the IPOs? Yeah, so starting with uh, Credit Info Edge, our entity, so both eLearn Markets and StockEdge, uh, we are here to democratize finance and to make uh, investing very simple for the end users. So in StockEdge, what we do is we provide uh, noise-free data and analytics, which helps users in 
taking their investing and trading decisions. So we have a section called Edge Reports on Stockage, which is available to Stockage Premium users. Uh, in fact, it is also available to uh, some of the reports are even available for free users. So on the Edge Report section, uh, you get a IPO note section wherein we prepare IPO, the research team prepares her IPO notes on all these companies. So all the points that we have considered and discussed till now in terms of digging into the details, going to the uh, fine tuning of what is happening, who is the shareholder, who has sold the shares at what time, uh, is there any uh, gray areas, are there any gray areas or corporate governance issues that uh, are there. So uh, eventually the final rating would take care of all those things. So whether it is a good or average IPO or it is an excellent IPO which should not be missed. So that final uh, conclusion note is also mentioned there. So what I would uh, like to suggest to the users is that uh, gone are the days when you should be depending uh, only on someone else to take or make all your financing decisions. So it's a time when you should take things in your control and uh, for making your life easier, uh, people like us would be providing you with a lot of data points in a very uh, clean manner so that uh, you can take a informed decision. Great. Thanks a lot, Vineet. Uh, I think that's really helpful. And I'm sure a lot of listeners uh, would reach out. Uh, you want to add something? Yes, Shubham. One more point I would like to add here is that uh, IPOs are typically a cyclical thing. Like I mentioned earlier that in bull markets, you will get a lot of IPOs. But uh, having said that, structurally, the IPO story has just begun in India. Yeah. Because uh, the capital markets have, are on the crux of development now. And over the next decade, we could have hundreds of companies which will get listed in the future. And, uh, with a lot more thrust to entrepreneurship, I am sure we would be getting many, many more opportunities to invest in exciting businesses. So keep a track, keep IPOs in the radar and uh, enjoy the ride. <laughs> Happy days are coming then. <laughs> yeah, true. Great. Thanks a lot, uh, Vineet. Thank you so much uh, for all the knowledge on IPOs. Uh, I'm sure it's going to be a lot of help. Thanks. It was lovely having a discussion with you. Thank you for taking time to speak to Money Owl. Thanks, Shubham. It was, uh, the pleasure was entirely mine. Thank you. Until the next uh, speaker, this is Shubham.